The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey guys, welcome to an episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm, an episode? Well, I'm not going to say another because maybe this is their first. Good point. It's an episode. Okay. Yeah, I'm Devin, I'm joined by... Steve. And... Joe. And we're going to talk about an unsolved mystery. <laughs> yeah. In case that's not how you found us. This is a, this is a big one, too. <laughs> a, it's... You God. know what? I actually it's think heavy. this one is really, really interesting. It is not so big, but it was heavy. Yeah, I had a really hard time in the research of this. Just... Mm-hmm. There's so... I, you and I talked about this earlier. Is it, yeah. There's a lot of minutia in it. Yeah. And I did... I started getting a headache. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. it can only I go can so deep into Yeah, we're going to talk about the Kensington Runestone today. Is it Runestone or Runestone? It's Runestone. Okay, Runestone. Yeah. In 1898, a Swedish immigrant named Olaf Allman found a 200-pound slab of sandstone, also called graystone because it's gray, but it's sandstone, okay. in uh, Solem, Minnesota. Uh, it was found when he was clearing an area of what some websites report is unclaimed, but upon further digging was totally his property. But it was just kind of an empty maybe that parcel meant, of land. Maybe they meant unreclaimed. Ma- yeah, yeah, unreclaimed, maybe. Yeah. Um, but he was clearing trees from it, and he fell a tree, and there was a stone that was entwined in the roots, probably. Again, 
As always, the stories vary. 90% of the stories, and I'm inclined to believe that it was entwined in the roots, but... Well, there's some evidence to show that there were roots growing against it, mm -hmm. whether it was on the ground and they were directly under, or it was underground. Mm -hmm. It was it was underground. It wasn't... You couldn't see the top of it. You couldn't see any part of it from the ground. But whether it was actually entwined in the roots, or if it was kind of just nearby... Hard to tell. Hard to tell. Okay. Yeah. And this is this is not like a, oh, the internet retelling. It's hard to tell. Literally, the three people that were there when it was discovered, none of them can agree. Like, they don't remember actually what day it was found or, like, what time of day or <laughs> what exactly they were doing or anything like that. One of those situations. It's one of those. So That's why, you know, eyewitness I testimony is, is it's really, hard. It's very unreliable. Well, it's so varied. One person said, oh, yeah, it was November 8th. And the other one said, no, it was August 11th. Right, eleven, eight, or eight, eleven. Mm -hmm. They, um, yeah, That's it's hard true. to tell. So confusion. We're just gonna say I think it was entwined in roots in the fall of in the, the fall of eighteen ninety-eight. He named this stone after the closest settlement, which was Kensington, because no, I, I thought he was in Solom, Minnesota. He was, but it, that's like a the uh, county area. Oh, the closest I see. settlement was Kensington town, town oh. village. Oh, okay. I guess it was very small. Large settlement. We'll go with that. Yeah, grouping of people. <laughs> the stone was covered in runes and was said to be from about 1362. The year 1362. The, yeah, I'm sorry. The year 1362. It apparently tells the account of some Scandinavian explorers. And if this is the case, many of our listeners will have already realized that means that these Scandinavian explorers managed to quote unquote discover, right, the new world like a hundred years before Christopher Columbus. Uh -huh. Actually, well over a hundred years because. A little. Because I, if you think about Europeans coming here, you know, like the, the British and everybody like that, they settled on the coast, but we didn't actually penetrate as far into the interior as this for a long time after that. Right. So, so yeah. So, yes, you're right. Bef more yeah. than 100 years before. Way back. So the stone inscription has been translated a number of different ways. We're just going to use the text that's on Wikipedia to start with, and then we'll talk about some of the discrepancies later. Got it. So this is our baseline. This is our baseline. What I would say is pretty much accepted as the translation. Okay. Uh, the Sorry. And I should mention the front of the stone and then one of the sides of the stone are carved. So we've got so four faces. So it's kind faces. of a monolith in terms of shape. It's a rectangle. We've got four faces, two, you know, the front and back that are larger, and then two slimmer sides, and then mm -hmm. a top and a bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing yeah. on top and bottom. Nothing on top and bottom. Nothing on... The back. One of the sides or the back, but something on the... Well, I guess, yeah, what you'd call the front and one of the sides. Okay. I think it's the front, and then they... Is it the right side? If you were looking directly at the inscription, I believe it's the right side. It's the left side. Is it? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So the front says... Eight Gotlanders or Swedes and 22 Northmen or Norse. Norwegian. Norwegian. On this acquisition journey from Vinland far from the west, we had a camp by two shelters. One day's journey north from this stone. We were fishing one day. After we came home, we found 10 men red from blood and dead. Ave Maria saved from evil. And then the side says... There are 10 men by the inland sea to look after our ships 14 days journey from the peninsula or island year 1362. 
Hmm. The Inland Sea, referring perhaps to one of the Great Lakes? It's possible. There's some theories out there that actually this little parcel of land that it was found on, it was found on an incline or like a little grassy knoll area, and that it could have it was kind of surrounded by wetlands much further away, but that at that time it could have been that it was more of a wetland lake area. So the waters had receded. So the waters dried out. Yeah, since receded, but that the place that this stone was found was in fact a small island on a small body of water. Okay. Uh, but it could also be a great lake. It's not specified. I've also seen stuff that, to answer part of what your question is, is that to get there, they went north of the United States, where our borders are, came in through Canada, and then that runs you into the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of uh, the inlet or the channel that you can use, Uh, but... They uh, use something like... I don't yeah, know. I mean, there is, there is a way to do that. I'm not sure. Are the lakes naturally interconnected? I, I, I should know this. You know, They taught me this stuff in, in I believe school. that for the most part they were. Maybe not enough to do large shipping vessels like today. That, yeah. was, that man altered that. But they were connected in some fashion. And so I think that that is in the research that I was doing about well, how, how did they get there. Yeah. It's mm. that the lakes are yeah. loosely interconnected, and so they, they theoretically could have made their way. It doesn't explain where the stone was that found, but yeah. it gets them into the area. Mm-hmm. Ish. Yes. Yeah. That's a big ish. Ish. Kind of close to that area. Yeah, and then, then they got to hoof it overland for quite a long ways. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, a little ways for sure. So this stone was found and then kind of held on to a little bit, and then Omen kind of thought, well, maybe, I don't know, the... It says it's from 1362. This was this was his actual thought pattern, in case you guys were wondering. He wrote it down in his diary. Okay. He yeah. said, I don't know. Like, it was kind of from... I'm kidding. Sorry. Now, when, uh, when he found it, was he able to read the runes himself or decipher them? So this is kind of one of the things about this story that's interesting. Most of the stories that you'll hear... There's, so there's two camps that you hear this story from, and they're both 100% sure that they're 100% right. One camp is, this is a huge hoax. This isn't actually from that time. The other camp is, no, this is real. And most of the people who say, no, this is real, they say it was real because the guy who found it was totally illiterate, which is not the case. This this guy, Omen, was actually, he was a Swedish immigrant. He went to school in Sweden where he would have learned runes. So word for word, perhaps not. Were the runes in common usage at, at in the the end of the 1800s in Sweden? Still, yeah, they were. Okay, really? that's mm-hmm. that's what I wasn't sure because mm-hmm. I'd seen some stuff that said he would have had books with runes, but wouldn't have necessarily been reading runes. I mean, it wasn't the con- it wasn't the number one of the languages, but they were still it was still taught in school, kind of like cursive is still taught. In the United States, but I didn't know they still it. taught cursive. Yeah, they still teach it. They still do. Thank goodness. Yeah, oh, yeah so it's one point. of those things, right? Where it's like, well, nobody uses that, but you learn it in school anyway. Okay. So. All right. So he probably, likely, would have been able to decipher at least some of it. Regardless, it was an old stone he found on his property, and he thought, hey, maybe we should get this assessed by somebody. So it was first assessed for authenticity by a professor at the University of Minnesota. And it's unclear if this professor saw the actual stone, like they actually took the stone to him to look at, or if one of these copies of text, written copies of the text, were just sent to him. That would be a lot easier. And if it, it would be a lot easier, but it's been mentioned that most of the written copies of the text were kind of 
poorly and crudely done. Well, were they handwritten copies or were they rubbings? I think they were handwritten copies. Okay. Like somebody the... sat down and tried to write them and that it may have been copied by somebody who didn't actually write runes that often or didn't know so that it it seems to be there's definitely some speculation that uh, the written copies of these runes were not good, maybe to the point of detrimentally to people being able to tell if linguistically it was correct or not. Got it. And a lot of the copies, written copies of these have like very big differences <laughs> in it. Uh, lots of discrepancies happening. So I think it's likely that he actually just saw a piece of paper. Um, but he dismissed it immediately. He said it was a really poor attempt at forgery. And like I said, I can't tell with 100% accuracy if if he, you know, saw the paper or not. But If he saw the real thing. Yeah, if it was the paper, I, I just want to say, like, well, how would he know? And what was he a professor of? Linguistics? Linguistics, okay. yeah. Specializing in um, Norse and Swedish, Scandinavian mm. rune and language studies. All right. So he didn't like it. He didn't. Well, what, what next? Then the stone, the actual stone, as far as I can tell, uh, in 1899 was sent to Northwestern University. The opinion there was that while the stone itself was pretty weathered, the inscription seemed to be lighter and done more recently. The stone was photographed and um, apparently some archaeological venture was done kind of near where the stone was Oh, found. they were excavating where he yeah, said he slightly, found it? slightly, but I don't think it was any... It wasn't, like, a huge scale. They weren't, you know, thinking, oh, there's a huge settlement here. We got to dig... Six feet yeah, down. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I think that it was just kind of some slight excavation around where he said he found the stone just to see. But he had been clearing the land, so it's not as though... That's a good He wasn't point. preserving it. You know, he didn't find the stone and go, oh, oh, no, I better stop felling all these trees and make sure that somebody could find something if there is anything. Oh, right. yeah, I can see a year later. Um, I think it was over there. But that is literally what happened. I mean, they started interviewing the three people, right? And as I said, like, they couldn't even agree on what month they had found it, let alone where they had found it. So... Well, if he's if he's working the land and he's clearing trees and he's changing the topography, I don't know if either of you have ever been to a, a construction site where they're doing major grade work. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you go on on day one and you've got a good idea where things are. And, and then if you leave for a week, you're kind of lost because by the time mm -hmm. you come back, everything is changed. Yeah. Yeah. But stretch that over the course of a year and you just kind of keep getting used to it little bit by little bit and don't quite remember where things were before. Mm -hmm. that's yeah, easy to that's, understand yeah. why they had no idea where they found it yeah. that's true that and I, I don't know if they all saw it they didn't even see the runes to begin with right i mean when they, when they first uncovered the stone no they had the runes they had no all. they saw they saw they did actually they saw part of it and they tried to clear this is another thing that affects the ability yeah, this to is actually age it they the runes on the side uh were cleaned off with a nail oh nice so they just took a nail scraped and scraped away uh, which would obviously alter the ability to actually accurately date when that had happened. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of the reason that they had a different color because they were yeah. freshly scraped. Mm -hmm. So it, again, it's, you know, it's hard to tell with that if they just did a really good job scraping the runes clean so they could see what was going on or what happened there. Regardless, nothing was reported to be found from this excavation exploration, whatever you want to call it. And the stone was returned to Omen in March of 1899. And since everybody said it was pretty much just worthless, it wasn't really an artifact. It was, you know, totally a fake. He just uh, used it as a stepping stone 
uh, like the kind of entryway stepping stone to his granary. Nice. Just stuck it right in there. Fit runes down. He he wasn't treading on the runes, but he did. He just used it as a as the entry stone. Well, the back granary. side is the flat side. Yeah. So of course that'd be the one you'd use as a step. Yeah. So he he just did that. Uh, poor, poor poor runestone. Just yeah. Don't, don't get no respect. Yeah. So interest waned in this runestone, but it had been kind of a big media, you know, been shipped around a little bit. Mm, not there a lot happens some... in Minnesota that time. You yeah, know, so. but there, you know, there had been some newspaper articles. It had been kind of a big deal. Everybody said, that's a hoax. And he said, all right, fine, it's a hoax. I'm going to use it as a stepping stone. A historian, uh, Mr. Holland, was investigating the possibility of a Norwegian settlement in Minnesota and became aware of the stone and became, of course, very interested in the stone as it might provide some, you know, I don't know, evidence yeah. or something like that. So he uh, went over to the Kensington area and spoke with Omen about the stone um, and they pulled it out of the ground and he examined it. And at about this time, uh, the Minnesota Historical Society decided, oh, I guess we'll investigate this, too. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, I guess we should, because it's popular again. Yeah, the people are... The fact that Holland got interested in it, he kind of really drummed up a lot of support for it, for its authenticity. He he thought it was real, really kind of from the get-go, you know. It was kind of one of those confirmation bias things where he he thought, oh, yeah, the Norwegians totally settled this area way earlier than we think. And then he heard about the stone and he said, see, it totally, it's real. Of course it's real because mm. I've been thinking this thing and now I found some proof for it. The Minnesota Historical Society hired a man named Newton Winchell and he started collecting affidavits from the people who were there when the stone was found and then also family and friends. Olaf you know. and his family. Yeah, yeah. Tr- kind of trying to, you know, collect the stories of it and see if maybe they had created this forgery or anything like that. Uh, and he was also a geologist, so they thought that he would probably be a pretty good person to carry out this investigation. I don't... I'm not sure why. Really. I don't know why. Yeah. But he interviewed a lot of locals as well as uh, Omen's family and interviewed Holland and some linguists. And the linguists, pretty much to a one, said, no, this is a, this is a hoax. But Holland and Mitchell uh, were both really convinced that it was real for a number of reasons that we'll lay out in a couple minutes. All right. Holland and Winchell definitely thought it was real. The reason that they think it's real is because linguists by and large are saying that uh this the language used on this stone is not consistent with with 11th century scandinavian grammar which is fair the linguists were saying that it was a poor forgery of 11th century scandinavian grammar and you know uh it should be 14th century so i'm not totally sure why it's the 11th century that they're talking about in terms of grammar and, you know, as we know, language is a living thing, so it, it does change. It allows people to be able to pinpoint and say, this is when this language is from based on the slang or the way that grammar's used or cases or things like that. Okay. In some, in some languages, that is true, I know, for both the written and the uh, verbal form. For some other languages, though, I know that though the spoken version may... F- you know, ebb and wane back and forth and change. The written version 
is not to make a pun here, but it's set in stone. It is one way. This mm -hmm. is how it's done. Mm -hmm. And it's not built to be flexible and it's not allowed to be flexible. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that's why they're saying it's not consistent with the 11th century. And I, I unfortunately, I read this as well in the mm -hmm. research and never thought to look into that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that's the reason is that there was, they say from time A to B, it didn't, it didn't ever change. Yeah, I... I think probably that's the case. I also think you have to take into consideration how long this group would have had to have been traveling to make it to Minnesota. So I think they, you know, kind of backlog, obviously not 300 years. No, they weren't, no, they no. weren't obviously for 300 years, but if you can say, you know, maybe 50 years, then or if, 10 or even 10, I don't know. I don't know how long it takes Scandinavians to get across the ocean then, at this time. And then make the... I, and then I, make landfall and then make it all the way to Minnesota. Yeah, I think it that would like be It seems like it'd take a journey. while. It yeah. would take... It's, it's about a six to nine month journey. I'm ballparking here, I'm guessing, to get from one to the other across the ocean and then from there the exploration process would be long and drawn out mm -hmm. so i could see where i could see where 10 maybe even 15 years maybe but i i would imagine guys would get homesick after a while but. yeah you would think but also um if they were here if they were around that long you'd think there'd be more artifacts left over yeah true you know, lots yeah more. i yes that's true the stone's ownership you may be wondering well who owned the stone because omen owned it for a while uh, well, he owned it until 1907, at which point Holland purchased it for, uh, I believe it was $10. Oh, wow. good price. Good deal. Well, it, it was, you know, $10 in I know. early 1900s, so that's a lot more than we normally think of it. But when you hear how much he tried to sell it for, oh, you will yeah. realize it was absolutely a good deal. He tried to sell it to the Minnesota Historical Society for $5,000 in uh, 1910, Holland did. Well, that's some serious appreciation. It is. Obviously, they said no. <laughs> Thank you. But in 1948, on the... I guess I haven't really mentioned that it, the authenticity of the stone has never really been like a... Yes, well, everybody says it's uh, this. It's a hoax or it's not. It's never been agreed upon. It's always had this huge ebb and flow. So it's gone through periods of... Legitimacy. Of legitimacy, Validated by this fact that in uh, 1948, the stone was on display at the Smithsonian Institute in D.C. for a full year. And they don't really they don't put things they think are fake in the in I there. Usually not. not normally. Not usually. Now they've displayed no. things they've discovered later on were fake, mm -hmm. but everything they can discern is right. real. That's yeah. the only reason to go up. Yeah. So. The curator actually said of the stone that it is, quote, probably the most important archaeological object yet found in North America, unquote, hmm. when it was in the Smithsonian. So apparently he was So a he really thought it was real, yeah. obviously. After the year-long display in the Smithsonian, the stone was set up as a permanent exhibit, or I guess the only exhibit, at the Room Stone Museum in Alexandria, Minnesota. It'd be a small little museum. I was just thinking, man, that's got to be, that can't be the most exciting museum to go to. Hey, kids, we're going to take a field trip. Yay. Uh, can you imagine being a tour guide at that museum? <laughs> okay, our next stop is uh, this thing. That's our only stop, actually. A stone. Yeah. And next up, a stone. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think it's kind of an interpretive 
center as well, right? I mean, it can't. Uh, it's not just a stone in the middle of a room. I'm, I'm sure. Um, it did. It also was shown at the New York World Fair. It got around. It did get around. It. Uh, it also went to Norway for a year or two. It's so it's been around, and again, you know, it's been this ebb and flow of how you know when people are like on the yeah, it's a real train. It goes to interesting places, and when people are on the no, it's fake train. It stays boring. Mm-hmm. I say it's real. It's a rock for sure. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. a rock. I would agree yeah, with Joe. Yeah. Solved it. Right. He solved it. Yep, that's it. Okay. Mystery solved. It's yeah. a rock. It's a so rock. So if you want to email us, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, we got to talk about theories. Oh, okay. There's many of them. There's a few. It's a. You know my mo. Is... I was about to say. I'm looking at this. I'm like, wait a minute. You broke this up into two very big categories. There's four it's categories. Real. It's not real. Oh, is there? Yeah. Just look harder, Steve. <laughs> There's four categories, technically. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a technicality. Yeah. But as I've said, I will say again, I will continue to say, everybody who's ever written about the runestone is 100% sure that they are 100% right, that it is either totally a hoax or totally not. I know. There's I'm, I'm sure. very little stuff out there about somebody saying, well, it could be this. And I did find two theories, and both of them are good, I think that kind of land sort of in the middle, but pretty much everybody else is in their camp. All right. Well, right? what's camp one? Camp one is it's a hoax. Okay. Here's why. This word that I'm going to make Joe pronounce and then I'm going to spell. I don't know. So it's Dagslifard, but I, I know I'm mispronouncing that. Well, it's a Norse word. Yeah. It's uh, spelled O-P-D-A-G-E-L-S-E-F-A-R-D. Which was the word that's translated into Voyage of Discovery. And apparently it did not occur in the Norse language until several centuries after the 1362 inscription date, putting it in approximately the 16th century. There's a bit of controversy regarding this issue because uh, one of the runes, which is the Thurs rune, the Thuria's rune, it, so it can be used in a number of different ways. Runes are kind of tricky that way. Runes are phonetic in that, right, so it's not like each rune equates to one letter in the English language that spells out a word that probably doesn't even sound like you think it's going to sound because we don't say words the right way. It's each rune represents a sound. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nodding slowly in this studio. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cool. I'm, 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 on, I'm on board with that. All right. So, yeah. so there is a rune that's used in that word. Um, the thirst rune is how I'm going to pronounce it. And it could have been used to represent a T sound, which would have made the word that we spelled earlier, the Opspelperkudfard, into a different word, which means journey of acquisition, which was a standard word that was used in the 14th century. Okay. Instead of the journey of discovery, which is the word that it's commonly translated as, which wasn't common until the 16th century. Okay. Because okay, I was so. going to say, I know I had seen some sources that... When I saw the translation, it was really weird because it was it was a word slash word slash word uh-huh. slash, you know, voyage of something, 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 yeah. something, something. And mm-hmm. pick your pick. It was like, yeah. choose your own adventure. Absolutely. A Mad Lib. Yeah. And so I will mention that if this rune is used to represent the T sound, it's used. It's the only place it's used to represent that sound in the on the entire rune stone. They use the more standard runes to represent that sound everywhere else. Uh, but I, it is speculated that it was that use of that word. I don't know. Maybe it's like I can't spell available to save my life. 
right? Everybody has those words where it's yep. like, I think it's spelled this way, which I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe so this person, guy had a little block when it came maybe, to that word. Yeah, yeah okay. maybe. So in other words, that, and that you're whole... carving in stone. It's not like you can erase, go back. <laughs> White out. You know, that yeah. doesn't exist. Just, it's just whatever it is. The next issue is the issue of cases on the stone. Is this as in some letter cases? No, it's at, in like tenses. Okay. I was just trying to make sure because I, I never noticed. I always think of cases as upper and lower case like we do in English. So mm-hmm. that's why I was just, I never saw anything like that. No, you, case, runes are very uniform. So that's why I was confused by that. Yeah. It's, it's um, like the, you know, plural, singular, I, we, you, them. Okay. They, that, that, us. that makes more sense. And, and I always oh, struggle with linguistics, sure. so this is why I asked this question. Sure. Until the 15th century, there were four cases in the Norse Scandinavian language that the runestone is written in. Uh, and that was later abandoned for two cases, which is simpler. Nice idea. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Please don't ask me a lot of detail, because I am not linguistics person. I didn't want to delve too deep into this, because it would be an hour and a half on... Here's yeah, why yeah. these cases are this way. Yeah, but and besides which, this is not such a uh, an earth-shattering mystery. I that, agree. That I can, absolutely it, agree. You can afford to spend weeks and weeks and weeks learning about this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, apparently the stone uses just the two cases instead of the more common four cases, which would have been common at the time. Again, not really, as Joe was saying, a problem for me as much. You're carving in stone. You got like ten dead people next to you. It's not that yeah. long. It's not that long of a text. It's not that long of a text. So while people who are way better versed in linguistics than me may shout, "Yes, that is totally earth shattering," and it's strong proof against this being real, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's what? What was it? Ten lines? Eight lines long is what this is? That's yeah. it? Yeah. It's, it's quite not, short. It's yeah. It's There's not a lot say. of room for it's messing more, around. It's more with of a cases. post-it note than anything. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. So you're not gonna get all fancy with it. And by the way, they, I don't think they had the corpses right next to them. I think they were like a day's ride away or something like that. Shh. shh okay. Sorry. Shh. Well, forget about I was that. Was painting a beautiful picture. Oh, okay. It's waxing poetic. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of corpses. Yeah. Apparently, I don't read runes, so I cannot confirm or deny this, but apparently, according to some sources, the inscription uses the English spelling of dead, not D-E-A-D, but D-E-D, with runes phonetically, instead of what the Norse word would have been. Again, I can Mm. neither confirm nor deny, but this is something that people say. Yeah, no, I I also have to ride through the middle of that one, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe uh, maybe dead means something else in in Scandinavian. One would presume that the people who are translating it would know that, though, Mm -hmm. instead of saying, no, no, it's spelled the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You would hope. You You would would hope. Yeah. And finally, as we mentioned before, the stone itself was weathered, but the inscription wasn't weathered. So the stone was obviously a very old stone, but the inscription itself looked much newer. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the edges weren't as degraded as you would expect to see, given the age and wear that you would expect to see on fine lines like that. 
Steve's looking confused. Yeah, they're not cut very deeply into the stone, really. Mm-hmm. So you would see a lot of wear if it was exposed to the elements. Oh, like on the edges of what's the the runes that have been carved yeah. in. Yeah, and yeah. they'd be rounded off. Yeah, mm-hmm. they wouldn't. If be it as... was if it was above ground the whole time, yeah, I could yeah. I could see that. That's exactly my point too, right? It was buried, so I don't think it was meant to be buried. I don't think it was originally buried. Uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it was put upright like a like a headstone almost. Yeah, yeah, like a monument. Yeah, so it was part of it was buried, and then the rest of it got buried over time. You would expect to see probably more wear than necessarily you see currently on it. But again, it comes back to, you know, they cleaned it off with a nail. Like, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so if this is a hoax, the next big question is, who created the hoax? Well, who created start this with the stone? guy that the guy that well, he is the light. number one suspect, right? Yeah, Allman, of be. course, is the number one suspect, and I don't think it was him. What would he get? You know, this is one of those things I ask this every time we we talk about a hoax. What, what are you going to get out of the hoax? Like, it, it he actually made ten bucks. Well, no, ignoring the financial gain, I mean, is he trying to to get some notoriety out of it? Like, I never understand what people hope to gain from from pulling the wool over people's eyes. Well, that for me is, I think, the biggest reason that I don't think it's Omen, right? I mean, he found it, eventually brought it to people's attention. They said, it's a hoax. Here, have it back. And he said, okay, I'm just going to use it as a stepping stone then. Yeah, exactly. He so. didn't. He was never a vocal advocate for its authenticity. He was always, throughout the entire time, just kind of standing back saying, I found this thing. Is it, what is it? And, and people would, said, here, it's this thing. And he goes, oh, okay. You would think that if somebody had the, uh, the wherewithal to make a hoax like that, they would be brazen enough to keep pushing that it was real. I mean, we see this all the time. How many books have come out in the past decade that are supposed to be pure fact and they turn out to be pure fiction but the person who wrote it just continually you know goes on tv and does everything they can to defend that it's real oh yeah those people and they've got big brass ones they are just they are holding it up and this guy didn't do that at all yeah so yeah i think that uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna pull off a hoax it involves carving things in stone too what you want to do is you want to carve the 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 11th through 15th commandments into a stone tablet and say, hey, you know, I found the lost five yeah. commandments. That's what I would do. Yeah, I know that's what you would do. Yeah. Um, There'd be some cool commandments in there, too. Uh, no, I think I, it's, I think it's definitely not Omen. I think he definitely isn't the one. So who else who created could it be? It. Right. And I think, you know, the other big question is exactly that. And the only other option is that somebody spent some time, created this hoax, dropped it off on some abandoned land for a while because it was buried near a tree, right? It, and the tree was like 40 years old and hoped someone would find it and well, so, recognize what it was and bring it to people's attention. So who was the uh, historian who was so fascinated by the prospect of Norsemen coming to Minnesota? Holland. Was it Mr. Holland? Yeah. So you, are you suspecting him? I don't. Yeah. I don't because I... I don't think that he would have left it up to chance as much as that, right? That's a mm. big risk to take. And he he wasn't that old of a man. Mm. I mean, if it's if it's in the roots of a forty year old tree, yeah. it's had to have been there at least forty years. Yeah, I got the. Well, we'll talk about that. Well, ballparkish. We'll talk about that. But my my point is, I got the impression that he was a 40-something to 50-something-year-old man, not an 80-year-old man. Yes, that's true. He was a younger man. Which means that he would have had to done it 
as an adolescent. Yeah, well, okay, so the tree itself was 40 years old. And again, I, this is one of those facts I go back and forth on in terms of if I, what I believe. But apparently, and I don't know how, because they uprooted the tree and it was gone. They didn't but, count the rings, I assume. They did count the rings. Oh, did they? So they said the ring, they said, okay, it's a 40-year-old tree. Most of the trees around here are 40 years old. But apparently somebody came and examined the roots and said, oh, no, the roots were disturbed about 10 years ago where the stone was. I don't right. know how, okay? I don't know how they would have found that out. But some, somebody said, no, 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 something was buried here. Something big was buried here like 10 years ago. Uh, disrupting the way that the roots were growing or something like that. That's uh, I could see somebody being able to figure that out today with, you know, all of the computer technology that we have, because I, I what I'm getting, I'm understanding this to mean is that some yo-yo went out to the bottom of that tree, dug a big ditch or trench, pushed the roots out of the way, threw the stone in and then covered it back up. To right? make it look like it had been there for longer than it had. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's mm -hmm. what I thought. Man, roots, it's like a tree branch you know it, it takes a long time before it becomes very very obvious that somebody has tied it up and it's been you know altered in its growth pattern yeah that, um, yeah no okay no i agree with yeah, you i don't know i totally agree with you i um yeah I, i'm also not not so sure that the roots would have survived that long because usually when you, you clear land you saw the you saw out the wood you know and take it home or throw it in the wood pile or whatever and then all the all the stumps you throw in a big pile and you burn them yeah. yeah. Oh, no. I, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. There's no way that somebody could have, unless they examined it on the day, yeah, right? right? Unless away. this was an affidavit from somebody who, for whatever reason, examined the roots on the day, uh, th there's no way that they would be able to know this. Also worth mentioning, this whole 40-year thing, the settlements that, that were in Minnesota in that area at that time, they were very new. White people were, by and large, not living there 40 years ago. So, interesting fact yeah. for the era. So for somebody to just create this hoax, drop it, and hope that somebody finds it someday. Haul a 200-pound stone into what could be considered hostile territory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just drop plant it. it in the ground and that then right away. pretty right unlikely away. Yeah. to me, right? Seems, seems a little bit absurd, yeah. yeah. So that's our segue into it's not a hoax. Okay. <laughs> we touched on the tree. Mm -hmm. which was kind of one of my first points in the it's not a hoax situation, but it can go wherever it's fine. Yeah, we kind of argued on really that. That's, yeah, we can yeah. move away from it. Yep. And then the knoll we also talked about that it, it could have been uh, an island almost. The, sorry, the knoll that the tree with the stone underneath it. This is like the that song, knoll. right? What's the... Yeah, I was about to say, this sounds like a very Lord of the Rings description. <laughs> I think it's that, like, bog and the frog on the log in the bog in the middle of the, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. In the, middle of the sea. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it, it could have been and likely was, in fact, an island in the middle of a um, swamp, way wetland kind of area, assuming, as one should, that the water table was different in Minnesota 600 years ago because, okay. duh, the water... <laughs> The water could have been about 50 feet higher than it currently is, which would have put water surrounding that knoll. Okay. Um, I Does think... that make it any more likely that a 200-pound chunk of sandstone is going to be sitting there, though? I think there are two possibilities that it affords. One is that the rock was moved by water to this place, mm -hmm. right, with rising and lowering, lowering tides. So you think the rock was just bobbing in the water and just sort of washed up on shore? Yeah, I mean, you know, 200-pound rocks do float. 
That's just <laughs> exactly. science. All the time. It's just that. science. There yeah. are no nautical yeah. hazards. No. Yeah, they are. They totally are. It's that that and uh, icebergs. Yeah. yeah. Same thing, right? In the Caribbean. No, I mean, you know, water has been, it moves things. It's a around. hydraulic oh, yeah. force. It absolutely is. Yeah. But also that it could explain that they could have been camping there, that that would have been a place that some people would have been camping. They would have ended up there. And that's why that stone was there because mm-hmm. they could have gotten there with a boat. It yeah. also, right? you also got to think about it from an explorer's point of view. I'm in this body of water. It's an area. I don't know. There are people who I don't understand who potentially are hostile. It's safer to make camp on an island on the high ground, on the mm-hmm. high ground yeah. rather than on the surrounding mainland mm-hmm. because it's nobody, it's harder to sneak up on you. Yeah. Well, almost impossible, in fact, to yeah, sneak up on somebody because you make a lot of noise wading through that buck, uh-huh. all that muck. Yeah, and yeah. also you can see people wading through them. Mm. I mean, you know, it's or not... on a little canoe or a yep. boat or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's I think a pretty good solid fact for why it would be there. Except where did they, did it just sort of happen to be there, and they did some carving on it there? Is that the is that the idea? Yeah, I yeah. Okay. It's, Use the materials that are available. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. The prayer to Mary, the Ave Ave Maria, that's on the stone. People cite this as something that is pretty important. Little bit of history regarding its authenticity. It's it's a Catholic prayer. Uh, but the Swedes of Minnesota were all Lutheran, pretty much. Not 100%, but for the most part, at the time. That was the prevalent religion. At the turn of the century. But way back in the we, day. The turn of the 19th, 19th century? century? Okay. Just yeah. making sure I knew which century we were talking mm-hmm. about here. So yeah. this is the turn of the century the, when the stone the, was when found. It would have, if the it end were of the a 19th hoax, century, yeah. If it were a hoax, when this thing would have been yeah. made. Is it, is it the turn of the 19th century? Is that is that the year... 1900, or is that the year 1800? I never can understand it. I don't even understand why the hell the 19th century is in the 1800s, because it's the 18s. I know. So don't ask me. It it, it totally makes sense. I mean, I get it, but it's dumb. It's confusing, I know. (laughs) I know. know. The further we get away from the first century, the stupider it gets. (laughs) No, but but an interesting fact is that Swedes of the 14th century, the 1300s, were Catholic. So it would make sense that the prayer that would they would have had would have been Ave Maria, not... Not the Lutheran not, version of what yeah. that might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think right. is an important fact. I also don't know how much you know that as a Swede in the, you know, 1900s. That's fairly sophisticated fake, if it's a fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Very that's true. true. To know, oh, it, it happens that these people were a different, totally different religion than me, so I'm going to add their prayer into my hoax of this thing. That's fairly sophisticated. It's not strong, 100% not rocket evidence science, but... either way. Yeah, but anyways, I think that's a fair thing to mention. What else have we got here on your bullet point list <laughs> you... of it's not a hoax? I love my bullet point list. I love to make fun of them. I know you do. Next is that there are some scholars who attest to its authenticity. The, not the linguists as much, but historians. There are some. Well, I've actually seen some really interesting stuff. So this stone has got... Uh, is, is it Micah that's in the stone, I want to say? And they, they talk about the weathering of it. Mm-hmm. When, you're, you know, when you take a microscope to it and you can see how it's weathered. And they've actually figured out how much the difference of the weathering between the 
grooves that were cut in the stone versus what is on the face. Uh-huh. And it's pretty consistent with the 1360-some year date that's on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is really compelling. I agree. They say that, again, they're, they're saying that the weathering of the runes is Cor- consistent with us being 600 years old. There's, six, there's a difference between them. So the, the, the face that uh-huh. is exposed has completely weathered away. Oh, okay. The mica on it is completely weathered out. Yeah, and then the uh, but the stuff that's in the grooves on the side has about it shows about 600 years worth of weathering. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I, I can't explain how that works, <laughs> but that's what I read, yeah. and it was like, oh, well, that's really scientific. I'm inclined to believe that. <laughs> it sounds yeah. sciencey. I, it's probably true. Bill uh-huh. Nye would have said that. He would have. Mm, I don't know. Another point that people bring up is the dotted R. Uh, I hate the dotted R. I, I like the dotted R. Do you know about I, the dotted R? Yeah, but I, I think they just mistook their R for an I. <laughs> <laughs> no. So the way that the R rune is done, it looks like an R pretty much. Like if you were just going to carve an R. In straight lines. Yeah, in straight lines. So it's you know, R. I'm You've doing got a vertical in- line. You've got from left to right at an approximate 45-degree angle, and then from right to left at a mirror of that angle back into that vertical line, and then you do the same thing to make the tail of the R. Yeah. That's exactly what an R is. what an R is. Except for that dot. Well, there's a dot in the middle in the absence area. The negative space. The negative space. Thank you. You know art stuff. (laughs) Uh, In the negative space on the top bit of the R. This is why I always describe letters. Yeah. Um, No. So there's a dot there. And apparently this is a thing that only happened really in medieval times. Uh, So the... 13, 1400s. Mm, but um, it could have it could have just been a defect in the rock face. It it's you can see it in all of the R's that are used in the inscription. Mm. It's not just one little dot in the Is middle it? of it. Because it's in, I, a, I've it's only in seen, a couple. I've only seen one R called out. And because there's a there's a huge fight over that R. Mm. A stupidly huge fight. Mm-hmm. And it yep. all all of the images that I see are of a single R. I, you know, when I look at the inscription, I, I think I see them around. I mean, I think I see it in all of them, but I, I could just be, that could be wishful thinking. Okay. Because I, know. because I agree with you now that you say, oh, it's always the same R. I realize, yeah, that the one that they do the close up of is always the same R, but I'm pretty sure when I look at it, it looks like there's the dotted R in all of it. Because, you know, I was going to say it's the single one because there's always the, uh, what's that? What do they call it? The dropped tool theory. Somebody dropped a tool, and it just happened to strike there and just happened to mar the stone. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm surprised to to hear that they're in... Or you saw it in other places. I thought I did, but, you know... I didn't... You know what? I didn't really try to to scan it really well. I was just kind of briefly looking at it as I was reading the words that I could understand in English, so... Sure, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I haven't really seen enough good close-up photos of the runes to really, you know, examine them closely. It's a problem. That's the other thing that's hard with it is it's not as though they're taking close-ups of, you know, every single little bit. It's just the, you know, call out the one rune that has this weird thing going on. Or, as we're about to talk about, this one X that's really interesting. Ugh. It's actually all of the Xs. Okay. But this this theory is... Angle, it's angle theory, sub theory, whatever. It's the Knights Templar angle or the hooked X theory. Yeah. 
I love it when the knights get involved. Yeah, me too. This this theory posits that the Knight Templar, Knights Templar, the Knights, Knights. Templar, Knights yeah. Templar, were Plural. running from something. I think religious persecution about that time. For whatever reason, they're some for some reason in the middle of the U.S. Um, way earlier than any other European descendants would have been. There is some. There's some stories that suggest that the Knights Templar, they were, there were a substantial amount of them that were rounded up in the early 1300s and killed, and then the rest of them all disappeared. Again, this is one of those, like, I don't even know. That's why the really Knight Templar, Knights Templar are so popular is because there was a mass execution yeah. and a mass disappearance. Yeah, yeah so they, this uh, mass they disappearance. They did, and there are a lot of theories that suggest that they came to America or the new land. And it ties into this other unsolved mystery in the United States called the Newport Tower, which is in Rhode Island, which most people think is a tower that was built, you know, after Columbus got here, mm. but some people say was built way earlier by the Knights Templar. It's <laughs> I didn't do too mm. much research into that. It's probably its own episode maybe someday if we feel like it. But, but so, but anyway, the, but the the Knights Templar didn't speak uh, Swedish or Nor Norwegian, right? Oh, uh, they some of them did. They wrote in runes, some of them. Oh, really? Yeah, according to this theory. Okay. I don't I don't know any of them personally, so I don't know what they wrote and what they didn't write. And if you did, you couldn't say. I couldn't, wink. Yeah. There's this website that I put up on the research that I know Steve loved. Oh, um, yeah. If you mean loved equals loathe, yeah, yes. Yeah, it was one of those black background white text mm. websites. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, but it I suggests... Did. I don't know why you did that. I thought it was a real source. <laughs> okay. That was a mistake, Steve. <laughs> it's always a mistake. Uh, it takes aerial photos that they've enhanced of the area surrounding where the stone was found and they say there are carvings in the earth and if you just draw these lines they point directly to the temple or the tower in Rhode Island and also all these other places that are totally Knights Templar places so the stone was actually just like a cipher that the Templar Knights left for people ah so it's actually a coded message it's actually a coded message. it is an insanely detailed encoded message like there are numbers and coordinates and degrees and all of this stuff buried in it and i was reading through the descriptions mm -hmm. and i actually started laughing out loud when at one point it said something, 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 which is referenced in the runestone. Mm -hmm. And I went back to their translation and couldn't find that in their translation. Like, it's a, it's a lot of leaps of faith. Yeah. Maybe it's a parody. No. No, no. Mm -hmm. I, that's a lot seriously. of work for a parody website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those huge seven pages. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that if they were, if they arrived in America sometime in the 14th century, it was just the Knights Templar fleeing persecution. They really didn't need to go as far as, as far as Minnesota because remember, nobody in Europe had any idea that America was here. Well, so. that's not true, but 
Well, yeah, but I mean, still, they 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 could have just chilled on the coast for quite a long time. They could have, but you know, maybe they were bored. <laughs> yeah, they just had you know, to maybe they just and, yeah. got curious, or maybe they were driven off of the coast by the indigenous peoples. Also mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing is that we've got to remember they weren't the only ones there. Oh yeah, and being an alien culture, they're going to be a pariah. They're gonna be chased away every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, pretty much, no matter where they go. So this is the reason that this is also referred to as the hooked X theory is because the X rune has a very... It's a distinct little hook that you apparently only see with Knights Templar writing. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a distinct style, mm-hmm. apparent, allegedly. I don't, I don't... I can't say for certain if that's true or not. I guess the last little interesting bit about the Knights Templar is the Scottish prince slash Templar knight, Henry Sinclair, apparently tried to explore North America in 1362. So meaning what? He got himself a ship and attempted to cross over? Yep. And never was heard from again? Yep. Got Mm. it. So that's kind of interesting. That, That is intriguing. I don't know why a Scottish prince would write in Norse runes, but okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, we don't even know if he made it to America. Maybe that's yeah. what his scribe wrote in. Maybe. So, here are my two favorite theories. Oh, these are the, the ones that are not, it is or is not a hoax. Well, they are kind of. Well, but... under the main bullets. Yes. Yeah. That I'm making fun of again. Yeah. This one is, it's not a hoax, but it was carved somewhere else. Huh? Well. Yeah. It's a pretty good theory. It is documented that Newfoundland was found by Norse explorers in uh, the year 1000 or something like that. Roughly, yeah. Uh, It wasn't explored. I mean, it wasn't settled or anything, but they kind of thought, oh, look, there's land over there. Cool. Yeah. I think they they found some artifacts, haven't they? Yeah, they have. So it's not impossible. I mean, how it would have made its way all the way to Minnesota who knows but it's not impossible to think that interesting journeys had been made back to the new world from scandinavia over the course of the years and that they just happened to leave this stone wait so if i understand what you're saying you're saying that it is a stone from their native land that they brought with them somehow as a ballast or something no i'm saying that it would have been carved like on the coast in, New, in Newfoundland. In, New, in Newfoundland, yeah. And then brought over somehow. Right, so they, they brought it from their native land. Uh-huh. The stone? To... Not necessarily. They, they, I, don't, I don't even know, but sandstone possibly is uh, indigenous to Newfoundland. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody go check a website. Yeah, somebody wiki, Google but... that. Because that just seems, I mean, other than a ballast stone, which I don't know if they use, I don't know why they would have packed that stupid thing all that way. Mm-hmm. They might have they actually had it for a ballast stone. But although, typically speaking, ballast in ships back in those days, rocks were used a lot. But you don't usually use enormous ones like that's, that. Yeah, that's that's my use, point. Yeah, they take up a lot, of, a lot of space. There's a lot of air gaps, and they're really hard to get down below decks without breaking your back. <laughs> so and your and your ship. Yeah, exactly. One guy slips, and well, that ship's under. Yeah, but so you know, but, but I maybe they just got it somewhere in Newfoundland, and maybe they were actually in places other than Newfoundland, not just maybe they actually hit other parts of North America also. Well, I know that type of stone is found in New England. 
Yeah. So I know that it is it is found in more than one place. It's you know yeah. rocks are rocks. Yeah, that, no, sandstone is common. Yeah, and and that that kind of I think they call it what a graystone is that right, Devin? Yeah. Yeah, graystone is found in a lot of different places, but I just don't know. Is it? Do you know if it's found in Newfoundland? Yeah. It is. I just just to clarify, Newfoundland is like northern Canada. It's like eastern Canada. Eastern northeastern yeah. Canada. Right. I'm yeah. just I'm just trying to to figure out if. The, for the geology bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's found all over. Okay. Yeah, so it could have been there. Um, so, uh, you know, I, yeah, so I can I can see it's carved there, and it's, like, left there, and mm-hmm. then certain, you know, certain settlers later on find it, and they just think, you know, if they happen to be Scandinavian, they think, ah, I've got a great idea. Let's, let's ship it to the mainland, and uh, we'll pass it on to other Scandinavians, and, and we'll essentially move it far inland, as far inland as we can, and then... And then Boom, we'll bring it to light and say, hey, look how far the Norsemen went. It's kind of a, yeah. kind of a matter of ethnic pride. Yeah. I, you know, I can also see there being a settlement, you know, in Newfoundland. And then as they kind of migrate through, somebody is like, well, this is important. We're abandoning this area, so let's take it with us. Mm-hmm. You know, but as, as you were saying, they found artifacts and there have been no artifacts found except for the stone yeah. in this area. So that's pretty big issue for me yeah next theory okay is it's not a hoax but it's not from 1362 either Mm -hmm. i believe this one it is a historical fact that 10 norwegian settlers were killed pretty close to the spot where that stone was found as part of the sioux wars you know about this the sioux wars that happened in 1862 Mm -hmm. uh vaguely i that uh, that that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I for me that was kind of I read that and I was like, "Oh, that's an aha moment for me that it happened close by." You know, there weren't officially a lot of white people living around in that area, but likely there were some given that some white people died in that area at that time. The carve the numbers match up pretty well. You know, it could be that... So it's a typo, essentially, is what this all boils down to. Either mm-hmm. a typo or maybe a little bit of erosion. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that it was left there as a marker yeah, kind of for a, their kind fallen of a, comrades. Yeah, that makes sense. Got buried. It would have been there 30, 40 years. Which would fall in line with the whole tree root thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's, what, 36 years. Yep. Yeah. It would explain the weird grammar stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That it was a mix. Because it... It would have been, it wasn't a thing that continued to happen, the like carving of runestones. Runestones were used as like headstones and markers of important events. So it would have been something that somebody would have carved as a tribute and that they would have probably tried to be hearkening on the traditions of old, but probably not knowing enough to do it accurately. Yeah, a lot of, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people were not that well-educated. There were lots of people who could read and sort of read and write, mm-hmm. but lots of bad grammar and spelling and stuff. I mean, it's, I'd say it's similar to people trying to do Old English today, <laughs> you know? Yeah. For me, it's... I've seen those tattoos. Yeah, I mean, you everybody has, and it's, uh, it's not good Old English, but it kind of looks like Old English, and I don't know. For me, that's it. I, that's my... I'm done. That's my theory. Okay. <laughs> like microphone drop right that's now. Your, that's your mic favorite drop. One? Yeah. Don't drop the mic, please. I no, that's we can't replace that. I know, I know. Yeah. But no, I think that's, that's a really solid theory. I think uh, that really explains it all pretty yeah. well. Yeah. I think so, too. So, yeah. I'm with you. Look at that wrap-up. Steve, 
not convinced? I'm yes, still not convinced. convinced. Why, why not? Why is what's not convincing you? Because if if it's a simple typo of the three should have been an eight, yeah, that's a big typo. Oh no, they're not like number like English numbers. They're not rune Arabic numbers. numerals. Yeah, not Arabic numerals. They're they're rune numbers. So they're actually runes. There's no like Arabic numerals on there. Uh, and as it turns out, I can show you a picture if you would like. Yeah. Uh, but three and eight, look, they're like almost exactly like. There. It's, the, it's like the, it's, it looks kind of what like. What the? A, Seriously. Yeah. It looks kind of yeah. like a P, right? But so the three, the, the protrusion, I guess. The flag. Yeah, it the it flag. looks like a flag. Yeah. The flag a, is half mass. On an uppercase P. Yeah. yeah. And the, on the, the eight, it's uh, full mast. Yeah, and so it's, not even, it's not even half mast. It's like they moved it. It's like they just moved it down about ten percent of the distance. Yeah. You know, it's like or fifteen percent of the distance. It's mm-hmm. not even half. It's mast. very small. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I'm the. No, uh, no, I'm done. Microphone drop. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so yeah, I think we solved this one. Yeah. 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 yeah we yeah. agree. We're in total agreement. Mm-hmm. Total. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. No, I'm actually just hot and tired. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't hot. Don't know here. anymore. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, you can find some of our links on our website, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can leave us a comment there if you would like. Um, I don't feel like I need to tell you where to find this episode because y'all know where to find stuff these days. But unless if you if are new. Unless you're new, but then you found us somewhere. Um, you can listen to us on the website. If you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, do us a favor and leave us a comment and a rating. That's how people find us. That's why we're in the top 40 oh, oh. for podcasts on iTunes. <laughs> in our know. category. <laughs> no, yeah, just yeah. In, in iTunes. <laughs> yeah. um, find us on Facebook, group and page. As Joe would say, find us, friend us, like us. Yeah. Lots and lots of stuff going on there these days. It's it's insane. Yeah, I really regret taking a day and a half off. Yeah, you should. <laughs> of uh, do, no, I regret having done that. I'm well, catching up. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I regret you doing that, too. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. We're thinking sideways. Uh, send us an email if you would like. The email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. You can send us suggestions, comments, just random fangirl, fanboy praise. Oh, yeah, we like that. Whatever you want. Uh, we also have a subreddit. Just, just search Thinking Sideways. Um, that'll pop right up. We're also on Patreon now. It's a pretty cool website to help support the show. There's a link on our little sidebar thing, but you can also just go to patreon.com slash thinking sideways and we'll pop right up. There's a little mm-hmm. video explaining everything. And How the monetary system works, yeah. yeah. It's That's, perfect. That is totally optional, of course. Totally, totally optional. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't want anybody feeling like they have to do that. No. Mm. Not at all. No. But if you're Donald Trump, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Donald actually has to. I'm yeah. looking for his Compulsory IP. Compulsory for him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that all having been said, I think we're going to scoot on out of here, hopefully to someplace cooler. Let's yeah. rock it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we will see you all next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Oh, my God. Bye, guys.